0: Coop, <laughs>
1: Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: It is Bach Week.
2: I'm super excited. <laughs> it is
1: a fantastic week. This has become a new tradition. What is this, second year? I think so. Second year for Bach Week yeah. on KFUO. Fun times because we get to, as the church commemorates Bach this week, we get to celebrate and give thanks to God for this great gift and so much that we've learned from JS Bach. And so today we we continue the conversation on Bach with a a unique angle. Looking forward to this. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
2: Live Uncommon.
1: Joining us today, Dr. Nancy Peterson. She's Organist and Director of Music at Zion Lutheran Church in Muscoota, Illinois. Also coordinator of the St. Clair County Christian Home Educators and Homeschool Mom of 10, which I believe qualifies as champion level. (laughs) Dr. Peterson, thanks for joining us on the Coffee Hour today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this.
1: I'm impressed that you have time for us today. Just going through your your introduction there. Mm-hmm. You're directing music and organist for Zion Meskuta and also a coordinator for the home educators of Saint, the St. Clair County Christian Home Educators and an educator yourself. That that's got to keep you busy. So thanks for making time for us as we celebrate Bach Week on KFUO. How has Bach shaped you? And I know this is a big question. (laughs) How has Bach shaped you as an organist and as a musician?
0: I love Bach. I have to say that Bach is definitely my favorite composer. And I've been really privileged lately. I know it's two weeks in the past now when you're listening to this, but I've been preparing for a big Bach recital that I had the opportunity to play in late June, and so I've really been focusing on Bach performance for quite some time, and I am just always overwhelmed by the depth and riches of Bach's music. It is just phenomenal. I I just wanted to start by saying, as I was finishing practicing for this Bach program the other day, I was just thinking that it reminds me of the verse in Romans that says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. And I love the way Bach reflects God's character in that way.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can see how those connect. I love that that connection to scripture. And I know this is slightly off topic, but I want to ask you, because this is totally your wheelhouse with Bach performance, organ performance, do you learn something new every time you go back to a piece that you've maybe played before? Absolutely. Again, like I said, there's so much depth. Every time
0: you play through a piece, you might notice one little theme that comes back in a different place in a different key or just baffled by how in the world did he make it through all these different progressions and then come back and end with a triumphant cadence so yes definitely
2: so with all of your your experience in homeschooling and homeschooling in your own home, how does Bach play a role in your homeschooling? <laughs>
0: That's just such a funny question because obviously I don't sit down every morning and say, okay, children, we are now going to study Bach because your mama likes Bach. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a hard question to answer. Yesterday or day before yesterday, I was practicing Bach galore and my three youngest were playing hide and seek in the church. So maybe that qualifies as homeschooling and Bach at the same time. <laughs> I, think that counts. I, I guess I do have to say I love books too, as well as music. And so we have thousands of books in our house. And I pulled out a couple of the books that I always use when we get to Bach in our history studies, because we kind of go through a, a four year chronological history study and then take a year off and do United States history, and then go back and do it again. And I have a couple of books for children about Bach, and we incorporate those. And I just love the way you can read stories that bring the composer alive and let the children see that, oh, Bach was a child too, and he had children. One of them is about the 20 children of Johann Sebastian Bach, and it talks about the the many children and how his home was always full of music and how he did so much for his family in writing music for them to learn and play and they did it a lot together
1: so we're learning about bach we, do you about bach this week do you have a favorite children's book for teaching your children about bach uh, you mentioned you have a a handful there
0: i do my my favorite book is called Sebastian Bach, The Boy from Thuringia, or Thuringia, I'm not sure how you would pronounce it, by Opal Wheeler. It's usually recommended by other homeschoolers for studying Bach, and it's geared for the kindergarten through sixth grade age range, probably. But the thing I love the most about it is how it talks about Bach, and it's all very historical. It's accurate in its history. And it intersperses the story with little excerpts of music. I believe there's a CD that goes with it. I don't have the CD. I can just play the music myself. But (laughs) it's just really fun because the the excerpts are usually things that young piano students are learning to play, too, if they're at all advanced. And so it brings alive the story behind the music, the minuets and things like that, that they're likely learning how to play.
1: This is probably not a fair question, but anyway. I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> as, as a student of Bach, as, as one who's studied Bach, who's, who's presented recitals of, of Bach's music, what do you think sets apart, in your opinion, sets apart Bach from other composers throughout history?
0: I I told you it wasn't a fair question. (laughs) No, it's not a fair question. He He is in a world by himself because of the complexity of the music like we were talking about. It is so complex that the more you look at it and study it and play it, the more interesting things you encounter. What was the question again? How does... How is he so? Set well, what apart- sets apart
1: Bach from all from other right. composers, particularly you know, looking at, at classical music and as a musician, for for the non-musician, yeah. <laughs> what do you want us to understand about Bach and what sets apart Bach from others?
0: Right. I think also as a Christian, the fact that he always put SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, at the end of all of his music, and his music is always focused on bringing glory to God. that You can't say that about many other composers. A lot of them were trying to glorify themselves a lot of the time. Maybe even in in their sacred works, there is not that selfless feel of always wanting to glorify God. So I think that really sets Bach apart.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have these books that you pull out for your kids when you're studying history. How do you, how do your kids uh, enjoy or do they enjoy learning about the stories of Bach while you're while you're going through the history of the world and and fitting him into those places where where we may not expect to see him? I think that's just what they're used to. We <laughs>
0: we use books all the time as we go through our history studies. And so I would pull out something about any other scientist or any explorer. We might be learning about Magellan or about Louis Pasteur or something like that. And I want to make sure they understand that composers and musicians are also an important part of history. So they're just in the mix with the famous composers and scientists and artists and explorers and kings and queens. and despots and uh, the good guys and the bad guys they're just
2: in the crowd yeah you bring something interesting up in it with with vocation learning about Bach in relation to all these other people and in, in relation to history how how does that this also might be a bit of an off-the-wall question but how, how does that our, our understanding of vocation kind of shape how you teach Bach and all of these other people in your in your homeschooling experiences Good question. Hmm, That is a tough (laughs) one.
0: I think there are so many people, and when we do more of a traditional history study, I think the focus is so often on the wars and the battles and who conquered whom, and not enough on what wonderful things were happening, the discoveries, the compositions, the Creations. And that really is what the story of our world is about. It's about God creating this amazing world and then giving us the ability to be like Him and create and discover and not just do terrible things to one another. <laughs> and so I like to focus on those interesting stories that aren't always just about the battles and the wars.
1: Mm mm-hmm. hmm. So if I were just to sneak into your homeschool and <laughs> and observe what was happening in in homeschool in the Peterson home what in what ways would I encounter Bach throughout the day or throughout the week in the homeschool experience there I obviously <laughs> I'm sure during music time maybe some history as you pointed out are there other ways that I might experience some Bach that and, and, and maybe you do it even, you know, subconsciously. Maybe you didn't realize how you're incorporating Bach into homeschool. Well,
0: I probably have many, many weeks where we never even mention Bach. So that's just the way it is. <laughs> because, like I said, we'll do a four-year history cycle. And this coming year, we're doing early modern times. And that's where Bach shows up. He doesn't show up the rest of the time. So I, we do have a policy in our house that all the kids start learning how to play the piano. And they choose one other instrument. And that's just part of life. Everybody does it. And so, of course, at some point they're going to be playing some Bach. And when they get to play some Bach, mom usually says, hey, my favorite composer, guess what? You get to play Bach. But that's about all there is to it. I guess there's one other way that it's shown up in our homeschool where we've always, almost always been involved in a co-op where we get together with other families to do some classes together. And a couple times, including this past year, I um, taught a class called Advanced Music Theory, where I was basically teaching music theory that students would encounter in their first college music theory class. So it would it was aimed toward upper high schoolers. And I know when they signed up last fall, I was. Watching my online sign up and thrilled when I ended up with four students signed up for who I recognized as being a soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. <laughs> oh. I knew that the second semester, in the spring semester, we would get to the Bach chorales in our sight singing where we were studying the theory and the reading, sight reading it, singing it on solfege and things like that. So I knew I was announcing, hooray, oh, I have a quartet for my Bach chorales in the spring. <laughs>
1: It sounds like we have more stories to unpack there. It sounds like there are more stories there. I want to learn more about that as we're celebrating Bach Week today. Our guest is Dr. Dr. Nancy Peterson, organist and director of music at Zion Lutheran Church in nascuta Illinois. She's also coordinator of the St. Clair County Christian Home Educators and Homeschool Mom of 10. So we'll continue the conversation right here on the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Golsa.
1: I'm <laughs> Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. It is Bach Week, and we are celebrating today. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Golseth.
1: Our guest today, Dr. Nancy Peterson, organist and director of music at Zion Lutheran Church in Mascuda, Illinois, coordinator of the St. Clair County Christian Home Educators and Homeschool Mom of 10. And we are celebrating Bach Week with her this week. Now, before we went to break, you mentioned that you you got to celebrate Bach, some Bach with one of the classes you teach in the co-op. And you were excited because you were teaching a music Theory class and also discovered that you had four students who just happened to be soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. That's How convenient right. yes. for a music teacher. Um, <laughs> obviously you got to incorporate some buck into that. So unpack this more. Where did you go with this since you had this great opportunity?
0: It didn't really go anywhere in particular. I I I can address in a minute where you think it's probably going. So but first <laughs> I'll just say that we were just following a curriculum, just AP Music Theory basically was the name of the curriculum. And it was a workbook program. And throughout the year, we were just studying music theory for students who were probably wanting to either pursue music in college and wanted a head start, or were finishing up high school as fairly advanced music students and just wanted a deeper understanding of theory. And so I knew from the beginning, having actually taught this same class before, I, I do these classes specifically for my own children. So this year I had my 16 year old daughter. It was geared toward her. And about three years before that, I had another daughter who was 17. She's now a music major at Concordia Chicago. I had done it for her, and so I knew that the second semester involved learning sight-singing of Bach chorales, and so I was hoping we would have enough students that when we tried to sight-sing those Bach chorales, we could actually cover more than one part at a time, and it would sound kind of (laughs) good. So that's all. I think probably where you thought I was going was that I thought, oh, maybe we can start a a choir. I have for the past almost 15 years directed choirs for our homeschool group. And at their peak, we had up to 90 students in my choir program. But this past year, we took a huge hit with COVID. So we're hoping to rebuild that. I only only did one choir this past semester and had about 20 students in it. But it will come back, I I hope. (laughs) hope.
2: Yes. Yes. Music is such a, a special part of education, especially before you get into college, into the, into the touring choirs and, and such. Having that music education all throughout school is super important. Can you explain? I know I, I want to like ask so many things. We were talking about sight singing and solfege. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what those are for people who sure. may not understand what that, what that means and, and how that is part of music education? Sure, solfege is a system of syllables that everyone is familiar with if they
0: have watched The Sound of Music, <laughs> and it's basically the system that assigns a syllable do re mi fa so la ti do to each note within a key, and it is a tool that music students use so that they can learn to look at the notes on the page and be able to without aid of a keyboard or another instrument find those pitches and sing a melody accurately just by looking at the notes on the page mm-hmm.
2: so then how does how bach writes things especially the chorales how how does that lend itself to sight singing and solfège maybe in a way that other composers don't, but but just for Bach, how does how he writes make that writing to to do this sight singing and solfège? I think that Bach chorales
0: are the standard teaching tool for theory students around the globe, for the very reason that they are a fabulous sight singing tool because they are very tonal. You can easily tell in those corrals what key it's in. If it's an A major, it's an A major. And so it's important to be able to establish that. They are very compact in their length so that it's something that's manageable for students to sight read and practice their sight reading. And at the same time there is so much complexity on especially in those inner and lower. Boy, he really gives the basses a big (laughs) fancy (laughs) line to sing. But (laughs) he works the altos, tenors, and basses really hard, gives them very challenging lines to sing, but still within this compact chorale that's as long as a standard hymn. And And he even puts little, he'll he'll raise a, a scale tone or something like that so that instead of a G, you have a G sharp, which then is leading to the A that it wants to go to. And so that you can discuss the complexities of, of, of tonicization, of sort of going to another key for just a second and then going back to the home key that you're in. So lots and lots of treasures for theory
2: students in those Bach corrals. I really want to take a theory class from you right now. <laughs> I am a music student, but I I'm ne- I've never been good at theory. So, like just listening to you makes me want to learn theory even better.
0: Yeah, I always well, hated yeah. theory until I was in college, and then I really enjoyed it. It's I think you have to yeah. you have to have a fair bit of mental maturity to get there. As little kids trying to learn theory, it's often really frustrating. So. I tend to not emphasize it with my littler kids much at all, and we just try and have fun, and then get to it later. So there is hope for me.
2: That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> so I, I am curious. First of all, do your students love doing this to, as much as because, like, you you're just like oozing joy for this music theory and for Bach. Do your students end up loving this as much as you do? You know what? I have
0: found, especially my choirs, that the kids absolutely love it. And I've had so many kids go through my choral program, if you want to call it that, is just through our homeschool co-op, and then go on and sing in college. It's phenomenal, the percentage of them that have. And so I think they do. Now, I was talking to my 12-year-old daughter a couple days ago, and she said, "Well, I don't like theory. And I had to say, yeah. you know what? I hated theory at your age, too. So <laughs> there's hope. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So then how, how does learning things like Bach in homeschool before they get to college, how does that help them then in music appreciation as they get into college and, and future vocations? I don't know.
0: That's a really interesting question. I have a mix. As we were talking before we started this recording, I have a lot of students in my family, my kids, who are Very much into robotics, engineering, computer science, all of the STEM things. Sometimes I Mm -hmm. say we have a STEAM school because that's trendy and it makes us sound just really (laughs) up to date and expensive or something like that because we have lots of technology and engineering, but lots of the arts too. And so then how is it helping my kids then who are coming out as engineers? And I'm not sure. I think that the things that music does to the brain are great for students Mm -hmm. who go into things like engineering and computer science, because music is so organized and orderly, and Mm -hmm. it helps make those connections in your brain. I know it's kind of funny because my oldest son, he's my second born, he started college saying, I am not a musician, I am an engineer. And (laughs) he minored in music. But, (laughs) and now he's working on a a master's degree in robotics, but I mentioned something about a church with a, that had a Bach birthday bash and he said, oh yeah, that sounds fun. I would go to the Bach birthday bash. So (laughs) (laughs) I think they might not consider, all of them consider themselves musicians, but they certainly can sight read and are really pretty fine musicians anyway.
1: (laughs) There has to be an intersection of of music and engineering. I mean, if someone, <laughs> someone has to build the organs.
2: Oh, that's true.
1: So there has to be an intersection. They're both yes. If
2: you ask my husband about it, they're both very analytical. Mm-hmm. Like if yes. you understand math, you'll mm-hmm. understand theory. Just mm-hmm. why do I do? don't understand theory. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to touch on two things. One, Bach birthday bash. One of my favorite memories when I lived in the Tampa area. The Tampa, Florida area, the Bach Birthday Bash oh, yeah. there is phenomenal. I don't know if they're still holding it, but you start at, it's it's a progressive concert. So you start at one church, there's a recital, on, an organ recital there, and it's all ages of musicians too who play. So anyway, start at one church and then it's downtown and you walk to other churches and it's just phenomenal and then the last church has a birthday cake for Bach's birthday. It's it's a lot of fun. So the Bach birthday bash, I agree. It's it's a phenomenal experience and and life-changing. The other thing that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about, you know, Bach and homeschool and your children and you mentioned while you were practicing for the recital and your youngest children were playing hide and seek in the church.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think there is there will be a connection there because when they hear the that Bach piece later on in life, perhaps that will bring back those fond memories of the 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 fun and the safe. Mm-hmm. You know how how they were having fun. They also felt safe because they were there with mom while you were practicing that music. But they were also having fun with their siblings too. I think there is a a, a great connection there. Mm-hmm. That's just well, I my think so.
0: And they found the best places hiding up in the choir loft underneath the pews. It was great. <laughs> so- <laughs> <laughs> and some of, some of the time my two-year-old was standing on the pedals adding a few Whoa. extra notes, but... <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> Unscripted <Bach. laughs> Our guest today, Dr. Nancy Peterson, organist and director of music at Zion Lutheran Church in Mascuda, Illinois, coordinator of the St. Clair County Christian Home Educators and Homeschool Mom of 10, Bach expert as well, I might yes. add to that list. <laughs> Dr. Peterson, thank you so much for celebrating Bach with us Bach Week with us on the Coffee Hour this week.
0: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
2: I'm Sarah Golson.